0: Hey, it's Gavin. Welcome to For Friends and Family Podcast. It's Thursday, May 28th. It's 2.08 in the PM here in Mammoth Lakes, California, five hours north of Los Angeles. As you guys know, as of today, there are 5,763,000 people that uh, have had COVID around the world. There have been 358,000 deaths, but... On the positive side, because we always like to be positive, it's 2,389,000 people have recovered, so that's great. Today on the podcast, I'm very excited. Someone I haven't talked to in a while, um, and we're going to do that on the podcast, is my friend Sophie Wade, who focuses in around the future of work, but she's not really saying that anymore. I'll let her introduce herself. Welcome, Sophie.
1: Hey, Gavin. It's so great to to chat with you again. Uh, Yeah, I'm... But with Flexile Network, I've been focused on the future of work for a long time, but it is now. That's what's happening now. And, and COVID, one of the uh, the the different impacts that it's had is really to change our working environments and accelerate the future of work. Now,
0: let's just talk about the two key things we want to get I, I mean, I... Just off, off air, we were just talking a little bit about empathy and I love that this, and I, I I cut you off and I apologize because I'm just like, like, no, stop, stop, stop. That's really good. I want that on the podcast. <laughs> um. So, but let's talk about this idea. Uh, You're working on something called empathy for sales professionals and empathy leadership and how that's changing. How are you seeing that? What is COVID and online and all that doing to people that it would make you want to focus on empathy?
1: I've actually been focusing on empathy for about three years now um, as the sort of solution for a lot of things that have been changing in the workplace for as technology has come, accelerated things, made things less predictable. So now we have an extraordinary change that has uh, changed the dynamic that much, uh, that much faster mm-hmm. in terms of pushing us into to different environments where we're relying much more on um, increasing amounts of technology. And we're dealing in an environment which is so uncertain and so so challenging for so many people, and that is elevating the need to be using our empathy skills, um, working more closely together, working in much more uncertain environments, and so it's really just uh, sort of a heightened my sensitivity about empathy and really trying to bring that into the, the working environment. So for one, we have salespeople who, before that, empathy was was, was an increasing need as uh, the changing the changing dynamic in their sales environment and how the process has changed. Well, let me interrupt just of, real real quickly because
0: yeah. I love this idea around the, the, the sales thing, but I, I realized that off the top, I didn't really define what you mean by empathy.
1: Yes, absolutely. So empathy the way I define it is the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and experiencing experience what they're going through. Okay. So it is both understanding their perspective, mm-hmm. not having to agree mm-hmm. with it, but understanding how they see the world and then sort of feeling what they're going through. And again, doesn't matter what you feel, trying to understand what they're going through, what they're feeling. So if you imagine now from for, for salespeople and for, and for leaders – what they're needing to do is try and understand that much more about their customers or prospects and who they're trying, a salesman is trying to sell to, salesperson trying to sell to. What are they going through? How can I phrase, how can I frame what I'm trying to communicate to them or rather first listening? What is it that they're talking about that I need to understand about their situation, what their needs are, what their pain points are, all of that type of thing. It's become so much more important now to really try and tap into what someone's going through so that you can then be able to, to phrase or, or uh, come up with the right solution in terms of doing the sales process. Oh, I see. So, so people
0: that like, since humans love lists, are there um, like, you know, I, I always put it on the podcast. I'm like, is there, is there a list that we can go through here? What are some of the things, is there a, like, a, are there three things that you tell people about understanding uh, how to become more empathetic in the, uh, in, 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 in the professional environment? Um, or, or are there a list of 10 things or, or how do you determine, like, what are some of those best practices to becoming more empathetic that people out there listening may say, well, I think feel i'm pretty empathetic actually I, I i like what that guy's doing over there and i can see that i never want to be a construction worker but i get that it could be fun right so that, that's that's i'm just trying to you know it's such a big word um what, sure. how do we how do we yep. bring it how do we break it down
1: um to break it down to three steps um it's to think think feel do so it's thinking about the other person and what how they see the world Mm-hmm. And and really sort of tapping into your own curiosity to kind of go, well, I wonder how it is that they see the world. And that may, might mean asking questions so that you're not making assumptions about how they see the world, but just trying to get more details so that you can put yourself in their shoes. And it actually helps to um, – if you have a deeper relationship with someone, if you know more about them, if you find found areas of commonality um, or and even have shared experiences, then you sort of – you can put yourself on the same – page Mm -hmm. on the same side of the table and then it's easier to try and connect with some of their other thoughts that you might not be so in tune with secondly is feel and that's first of all identifying how they identify the emotion that that person is feeling because we could get it wrong somebody has a sort of scrunched up Face, mm-hmm. and you're like, are they concentrating? Do you know they have indigestion, or you know, you know, what <laughs> are what they about to fart? Terms? Oh no! <laughs> exactly. So, so that's something where video becomes really, really important um, in this type of environment where you can actually have these m- many more cues. You you have visual cues. You, you're also listening to how someone's phrasing, are they pausing? Do they sound confident? You know, how all these different things. What does add? What does that picture add up to? So it's trying to work out what the emotion is that they're feeling, and then asking questions just to make sure that you're correct, because, you know, then I might say, okay, so he's having a really, Gavin's having a really bad day. Oh, God, Gavin, I can really, I I really feel for you. You know, I I can, I imagine that, you know, I was there before, I can really sort of tap into what you're going through right now. So Mm -hmm. the more that you can connect with that emotion, once you've identified what it is, and then what do you do? What do you do as a result? How do you change your sales pitch? How do you change how you're approaching your leadership because of what you've understood? Mm-hmm. So that's, those are the sort of three steps. And again, the deep, the more that you know about a person, the more that you can connect with them and get on the same page and have that sort of commonality of experience, the easier it is to be able to go to to actually empathize.
0: So if you are um, a very experienced salesperson, then you will probably know and be empathetic with your customer because you see them on a regular basis. And I'm just thinking, you know, that that ultimate sales, you know, the car salesman, you know, they come in, you come in, they, 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 they can size you up in seconds as to whether. You're going to buy these cars or not, and then they know those key points to to deliver. And one of them, you know, they say that people that are very empathetic are are some of the best salesmen. They're not these sort of out or salespeople that they're not. You know, they're not most outgoing. And we've all met them. Like I'm like that guy's a salesperson. You don't you don't think that, but actually, because they're so empathetic, and I've I've you know I've been on the receiving end. I've bought things from people that I never thought I wanted (laughs) to buy from because they're just they're just so you know they're just like no I know exactly what you're going through You're, you're. having a tough time right. making the decision I can see from your face and you shouldn't make a decision. You should walk away from this and come back later because they're like, that's what they would do in that position. So uh, in, in sales, do you know, like, how do you measure empathy?
1: Well, I, I would actually just go back to, to some to the sort of the early part of that question, because a lot of sales folks haven't been exercising the empathy skills in the way that they have has become much more necessary over the last couple of years because technology has been changing the sales process. In the past, the salesperson had had most of the power. They had all the information. The, se- the buyer didn't. They didn't really right. know anything. Now, with the Internet and everything, you, when the, the two people start interacting – the buyer has a huge amount of information, and they may let's just say they're seventy percent along the process. If 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 you know you're looking for a CRM tool, I would you know ask you, I'd invite you know ask a, a bunch of my friends, and by the time I actually got to you know connecting with somebody about that, I would have I'd really know who your competitors are, I'd know a whole bunch of features about it, and I'd be asking very different questions, much more sort of pointed questions, which were specific to my situation. And,
0: and I find that all the time. I go in all the time to places and I have more information than the salespeople, right? Especially if you're talking about electronics or even cars before I even right. go and look at a car. I mean, I recently had a sales experience, which it was exactly that where, where the, the salesman like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm, Dude, I've been on the forums. I can, <laughs> I can see that this car has serious problems, but right, they're, I'm, right. I'm willing to overlook that if you will acknowledge that we don't have any problems. Like I remember going into Audi and, and saying to them, when are you guys are going to get big dashes like uh, with uh, Tesla? And they're like, we'll never do that. So Hans must always be, Beyond the driving thing I'm like no you're just an idiot like you're just we, we are about driving we're not about technology I'm like okay great that's that, that's interesting but you didn't acknowledge the fact that that as a customer is what I was you weren't empathizing with me instead of saying right. yeah you know exactly. what this is something that that yeah we're, we're looking at but you know our cars aren't set up that way right now and you know it, yeah. so I, I understand uh, on, on the the empathetic side of of and it's an interesting way to look at it um, I, I know that when we look at a emotional intelligence which seems to be a word that people are bantering around like crazy Mm -hmm. have good emotional intelligence um is empathy sort of in this area
1: oh very much so they're they're very very closely um
0: so then um, how do you measure it how do you know like if i'm sitting across from someone i'm deciding to hire how do i decide that they're more empathetic are there questions that i ask or
1: yes um the one is to ask how They would feel if they were in somebody else's shoes, not if that they were that person, but if they were in the other person's shoes. Give me an example. Like what would be an example? Um. Well, you could. I mean, one of the questions you can you can. uh, One is it's also hearing how they're trying to understand what you said. Like, is that what you meant, Gavin? You know, restating, not that I assume that I know what you said, because that, that's what I heard, but that may be different. But then also sort of saying, so, so, Gavin, if if you, I just uh, crashed my car. Okay. And. Uh, Are you, you all know, right? I, I, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> no, I didn't actually crash my car. But, <laughs> it, uh, um, uh, but if I were, were to say to you, I just crashed my car and, you know, oh, my God, I'm just, I'm distraught and. You know, if you said, Oh, you know, I'm I'm so sorry, you know, that's that's terrible. Um I feel I feel I feel really bad for you. Your it's that's pity, that's sympathy, you're feeling for me. Mm-hmm. But if you can say, Oh my God, I can just I can just imagine how you feel. I just you know, that must you must be just dis- distraught. I remember when my sister or I, you know, had that same kind of experience. It's it's the, the, the sort you know- of how how they're they're Um, experiencing that with you and putting themselves together with you in your shoes to really feel what you're going through not not how they would feel um, but but
0: to to understand that they understand that you're in that situation because i was watching i was on tiktok yesterday which i'm addicted to and i was going through and there's (laughs) there's a lot of training on tiktok believe it or not most people think it's just dance videos but it's actually not once you get the algorithm working it's really great and there was this one guy came up says don't say you're sorry he says, you know, say thank you instead. And I was like, oh, and I watched this video like three times. He said, you know, if you're late, don't say sorry, I'm late, say thank you for understanding. Um, and it sounds like that that they were. He said, "Don't make sorry." Saying um, "sorry" is is it's something the Canadians and as you can hear from my accent, I'm a bit Canadian. <laughs> sorry, uh, the UK and I Canada. I have noticed
1: that. I, I do I do notice your Canadian accent every now and again. But that then I did definitely did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so sorry is that that's how we say it in Canada, right? It's, it's not like sorry. It's like sorry. But they also do it in the UK, and yep. I think that what you're talking about is this empathetic. It's it's actually a power play. Saying sorry is, 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 is a power play by you saying, well, you know, sorry, I can't do this or sorry, I won't do that. Instead of saying, you know, thank you. Um, I just thought it was a real, like I'm still trying to understand it, but I really found that it was a, it was a, it was a really big shift of being able to, to be in someone else's shoes and, and understanding that the reason why they're late and you yourself, because we always think of it as, as you're talking about from a sales perspective, is like the salesperson mm-hmm. empathizing with the consumer. I never thought about it from my like being empathetic towards myself, right? You're always trying to be empathetic towards someone else. How does that fit into the overall umbrella?
1: Well, I think I mean empathy. You know, really is a, is about putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. But but when it comes to thinking about all the people, let's just say you're you're an, being, trying to be an empathetic leader. In order to be a good leader, just like trying to be a good parent, it really is also about taking care of yourself. And so that you're not going to be able to be a good leader um, if you're not either recognizing the situation that each one of your team members is in. is right. in. But also if you're really, really stressed um, and you're burned out, it's going to be very difficult for you to, to step up to the plate. And and show them the empathy the, and, and really adjust for or, or, you know, and show them the type of leadership that is going to help motivate them and engage them and all that kind of thing. So there really is a it really is sort of looking at this holistically and looking at all the different people who are who are partaking. And that's that's you, too.
0: You know what? You're 100 percent right, because when I'm sort of tired, I'm like the worst manager because I'm not empathetic. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about your problem. Just get the job done, right? As a as a uh, quote unquote leader, I don't think I am a very good leader, quite frankly. But if I was to be in a leader, position, one of my biggest problems is like I got it. Just do your, just do your but job. But that's
1: the perfect time to say I'm sorry, or to say. <laughs> Thank you for understanding. I'm being a bit of a, <laughs> right now because I'm, I'm, because I'm tired
0: and I'm being more of a douchebag <laughs> than normal. I got it. So I'm, I'm loving Okay. Let me ask you a quick question that take it into the real world for a second. Mm-hmm. Now, um, because here in America, we are, you know, both of us are foreigners. Obviously you've got a British accent and you live in New York and you've lived there a long time and I'm Canadian and I've lived here a long time. Um, but you know, this, this politics thing and empathy that's going on right now, it seems to me that either side, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, let's just say, are having a hard time being empathetic, empathetic, and especially under sort of Trump and this, this presidential situation where there's a lot of people that don't like him, that there, and and the people that follow him, there seems to be very little empathy for the. Hey, they voted him in. It's their turn. It's like, no, you guys are complete idiots. You've done nothing wrong. How does empathy work in sort of the real world? Like, how, why is there, why does there seem to be this massive lack of empathy when it comes to sort of the political area?
1: Well, look, I, I think most people use their empathy skills a lot in their personal lives, whether with their friends, with their family, their thinking, how, and, and it's, it helps because you've got a lot of shared, you've got a lot of commonalities, you've got shared experiences, you, you sort of know how somebody thinks. It's really easy to tap into what they're going through. We haven't typically used that in the business environment, never mind politics. And, you know, I mean, certainly, let's just say in 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 the workplace, we have always thought that, you know, it was transactional, that if you paid somebody, they would they would get it done. Well, we know that they show up, but they don't do much more than that. And so this idea of of. Of having empathy in a working environment, because politicians—that's their work. It hasn't—it hasn't really been there. And the, the one of the key things to make empathy work is to have those relationships. Now, if the a lot of the relationships, you know, that crossing of the aisle has broken down, it's going to be very hard for people to be able to bridge that gap of understanding and really sort of connect with what the other person's talking about and understand it from their po- point of view. I mean, there's a great exercise in empathy, which is having to argue the other person's point of view. And then the more that you actually do that and you actually Try and sort of say, well, if I were going to argue, you know, his or her point of view, how would I do it? You actually start really understanding much more about, you know, what their perspective is and why they have that 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 point
0: of view. But people won't do it. Like I, I've been in situations because I'm a I'm, I would say politically I'm a moderate. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I'm Canadian. So you know I'm in the center. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the center because I don't right. really have these things. But I've really you know since you know Trump has been in and since Clinton and all that sort of stuff is that I've really had these discussions with people who have literally stopped the conversation says, I don't care what you keep saying. I will never understand that way of thinking. I'm not willing to put myself, I've actually had people say this to me. I'm not willing to put myself in those people's shoes and I'm not willing to look at it. And this is on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. it, it, that, and what you're saying is so interesting in business because I think that we don't spend enough time really getting into another person's shoes because we're so either terrified for our jobs or or where we are or people are at different levels and there seems to be a lot of you know ageism going on right now with this technology chasm and I don't think that people are willing to sort of be in like young people certainly don't want to be in older people's shoes and older people are like I've already been in the young people's shoes but there's there, there just does there just seems to be a giant lack of empathy but what you're saying is that empathy can be a real tool that can uh, accelerate yeah. your career but also help develop business revenue
1: very much so and going exactly to that generational point I mean I talk about empathy a lot for not not just leaders not what it, just not just for remote working in terms of being able to connect across you know bridging that gap of of distance. But also bridging the gap of generations. And it is when you – there are so many instances that I find that that people just don't understand what the other person has said. And, it, and it, it, sometimes it's, simple, it's as simple as, you know, if an older person says, you know, I worked you – know, you know, it's all about hard work. Yeah. They mean, typically, they often mean working late at night, long hours, mm-hmm. you know, struggling. Whereas for a younger person, it can certainly mean working forty hours a week but working really effectively with some with some new you know technology tools and 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 potentially getting the same results done. both mean hard work and they both mean hard work, but of course, if the older person is the one who is um, you know, going to promote the younger person or not, based on how hard hard they they feel they're working, it's going to cause some you know some some uh, you know challenges because they're like you know well I produce the results so I'm always trying to get people to focus on results and and so it doesn't matter sort of how who, who's defining what but that's where some some very simple phrases or some very simple concepts have the you know the context for each. Person you know obviously everybody's an individual first not not so I, I don't like the the generational labels but the, the the understanding of technology and the understanding of of how we're working and what's going to help us succeed is very very different across uh, all age groups. And I really sincerely believe that the way we're all going to to actually particularly get out of the the challenges and, and emerge into a new normal mm-hmm. is by working very closely together. And that's going to need empathy to be able to get a lot of the intuitive technology uh, understanding that a lot of younger people have um, because that, that that's just sort of what they live and breathe. Combine that with, you know, some of the amazing experience that you have um, – uh, you know, in some of the older generations, you know, with all these people working together, that's where we can really come out with some, you know, extraordinary solutions that are going to, that can can propel us in a sustainable way that that we have sustainable working practices and we're using uh, technology in a way that we can actually, you know, pivot and adapt Mm -hmm. and and be flexible, you know, in in these extraordinarily uncertain um, business conditions. Um, But but without it, it's going to be very tough.
0: Yeah. I mean, you bring up so many great points and, you know, we're out of time, unfortunately, but I just wanted to, I I just wanted to make sure that I, there's a few things. First of all, You have a book called Embracing Progress. It's brand new. I noticed that Adriana Huffington has uh, endorsed it. So congratulations. (laughs) Um, uh, But it looks really great. It's Embracing uh, Progress, Next Steps for the Future of Work. Um, um, Did you want to give me a little bit of an insight into that? And then also, I understand you also have a podcast around work. Did you want to just talk a bit about that? And then we'll wrap up and say bye.
1: Uh, Thank you, Gavin. Yes. uh, So Embracing Progress, it's... it's, uh... It's really trying to, the book is there to really try to help people understand. I love that you're like, what? Ah." (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a lot of information really to help understand where we've been in the workplace, where we are and where we're going. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really can help. People understand what's happening right now because it's everything's just been accelerated in terms of all, of, all the things that we need to be looking about. That do be different kind of careers? How we're working? How that we have many more options. All of this remote working has basically shown us we have more options, and the more options that we use um, can really benefit anybody's business and using technology in profound ways. Um, Transforming work is uh, the name of the podcast, and it's really looking at the same kind of idea is sort of how what are the new things that we can be using how can we focus on skills what can we do, be doing in terms of understanding workflow management um, and I re- did the last podcast um, was with Gary Bowles who is the chair of the um, for the future of work at Singularity University and he oh, yeah. he's uh, uh, forecasting the big re- a great reset and how we can we can really be changing the, the way that we're we're looking forward and in order to help employ more people more people 40 million people unemployed right now you know how we can get them back into the workforce more quickly how we can all be adaptable and really self-managing our careers. You know, there are a lot of things that are changing. So he's extremely eloquent and, uh, has some, some really fantastic ideas. So, you know, check out, check out some of the interviews that I've done because, it, you know, each person has some really interesting perspectives and ideas and insights that I think could be beneficial.
0: Uh, and I love your website. If people want to go to, go to sophiewade.com it's S O P H I E wade.com. And you've got all your speaking, your writing, your workshops, yep. your courses, um, um oh, and
1: and flexel network that's the, that's my uh the, the consulting business so that's uh you're just so Flexil. prolific you're everywhere flexel <laughs> and and flexel is f l e x c e l network.com okay
0: thank you so much for coming on i am definitely going to have you on in a couple of weeks once we see how this you know as we come out of covid and we start to see um uh you know how people are really adjusting i do know there were a lot of people who are younger who spent a lot of time telling me that all they wanted to do was work from home and i've recently checked in with them and i can tell you that all they want to do is go back to the office <laughs> <laughs> they're like i'm done okay. being at home
1: i, I think- got it uh- I think a combination is really, you know, some people, you know, they do their focus work at home and like, you know, need the camaraderie of, of folks when they go to the office. Everybody is different. And so that's that's what I'm hoping for is that, that we will have that as a serious option. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can also save real estate costs, but really having the combination that works for each person because we're going to need the most out of every single person and be leveraging, leveraging technology in the best way possible so that we can – be able to adjust to, I mean, restrictions are going to ease, but then they're going to come back again. We're going to be dealing with a lot of uncertainty for for months, honestly, as we're trying to, to navigate this, because it's not just what's happening with your workplace, but also, if you have there are offices in multiple in different states, each one's going to be open up in and different around ways. the world
0: and and and, 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 and ha- yeah, and how people are going to and the
1: new customers and the new yeah. customers, you may have you know, in, in 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 say California, that's going to be opening up, so so those people may be almost ready to buy. Whereas in another state, you know, they may in New York City, it's not opened up yet, so those you know, you may have customers in New York City who are like, mm, not not quite yet. So, so being able to adjust and, and adapt and, and sort of really focus your business where it is relevant this week or this month it's going to it's going to take a lot out of each one of us and and the leaders
0: you're going to need to be empathetic and i will say (laughs) just on the other side is that i have talked to a but i I deal mostly with ceos c-suite and i have talked to a lot of ceos who were before this were like i want everyone in the office i want to be able to see them otherwise i don't know the way there has been such a giant shift that they're like, I can say 40%. These people can work yeah. from home. It yeah. is, I think there's going to be a bit of a, a big crush and and maybe what we should do for our next podcast. Let's talk about that whole sort of walk, working from home and and understanding what some of those best practices are around the future of work and, and what you've heard about it. That would be great. But oh, the, yeah, be, it'd be great. It's so interesting. Always, always talking to you. I'm sorry <laughs> you're taking so long to connect um, because I, I, I it's always fast fascinating the the research you're doing. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. My delight, Gavin. Always, always happy to do that. Love Love chatting with you. Thanks.